You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshi on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. This call may be recorded or transcribed.
Hotel family. We're experiencing some technical difficulties. Uh, somehow, some reason, whatever. My intro is not playing. <laughs> and of course, these kinds of things do happen, as you all know. And so, um, um, we're going to go ahead and uh, start the program from here. And so, we'll make sure that we have our intro ready on on Friday. So, because some of the things, you know, as what you always have to do in these kind of technical jobs or whatever job it is, is be able to improvise, overcome, and adapt. That was one of the sayings uh, in the fire department. Improvise, overcome, and adapt. Because uh, sometimes you're confronted with a situation that, um, hey, you, you got to handle it. it ain't, ain't no problem, you know what I'm saying? And if there is a problem, we're going to correct it, you know. Yeah, Brother Kwaku, are you hearing me? Do you hear the broadcast? Are you hearing me over the air? Brother Kwaku, just text me, let me know. Because if you're not, then we may have to um, figure out and postpone the program and figure out what's happening. But if if some of you are hearing me out there, uh, please give me well let me see if I'm broadcast yes you do hear me okay cool okay so I am broadcasting okay so since I am broadcasting I am being heard I gotta go ahead with the program you know what I'm saying yeah I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna go to good mo- no 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 but you are listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on timeforawakening.com and blacktalkradionetwork.com. Let me give a little bit of history of the Motherland Media Network part. You know, um, in Milwaukee, they had a radio program on a station called WMCS, Milwaukee's Community Station. And it was a talk. And uh, when I retired from the fire service, every Friday I would be on the radio with, with another group of brothers you know, the man show. And uh, the person who was leading it was uh, Brother Eric Vaughn, who was an ancestor, good brother out of D.C. And so, uh, you know, I'm I'm bringing that, that hardcore perspective. You know, because a lot of them, well, brothers are good. They're good brothers, you know, good brothers. You know, but they're not revolutionary brothers. They're not, they're brothers who, you know, want to make white folks act right, do right, be right, you know. Just like, um, just like Martin said, MLK said, what you have down on paper, that's what we want you to do. I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing, of course. You know, do what you said you're going to do as you, as you wrote it down on paper. Be true to your word. Well, of course, we know that's not possible. You know, these are the liars of liars. So, Anyway, uh, I would substitute for Eric and for another brother named Earl Ingram, you know, and I would um, take their programs for the hours that they were on the air. And one Friday after Eric's program in February, the station went silent. 
And of course, silence in radio is, that's not happening. That's a no, no. And so it went silent until it came back on. And when he came back on, they were playing Elvis Presley music, you know, for the duration of a few days, 24 hours for a few days. What happened, Willie Davis, the former Green Bay Packer, great, Hall of Famer. You know, in fact, if you've seen my favorite documentary, Watt Stack, you see him on the stage with Jesse and a few others. And uh, because he once retired, because Watt Stack is in 72, he played in the 60s. Once he retired, um, Slitz Brewing Company, which was here, in Mo- here, which was in Milwaukee, was a national brand, along with Budweiser, Miller's, and so forth. Slitz and Miller were in Milwaukee, along with other national brands of beer. He got a distributorship in L.A., and he was one of the sponsors for the Watt Stack um, concert that took place in the L.A. Coliseum. And so he also began to develop a string of radio stations across the country, all pro broadcasting. And so um, I guess in in the deliberations in their meetings, he lost control. And so WMCS was no longer going to be an all-talk radio. In fact, the European Jews were also involved. They took the station. So no more would it, in fact, it became some top 40 stuff. So a brother who's now a minister, him and his wife in Belize, Pastor Bishop Nate Stampley, he called together community individuals, you know, and I answered the call and uh, to develop a radio station that would be community owned. Well, we put money into it. It just didn't materialize. But uh, I broadcasted on a uh, Christian station on Fridays. I broadcast on a Christian station along with me and uh, another brother, you know. Uh, and so we were doing that. And that was it was cool. It was good, you know, for that time. And I paid out of my pocket to broadcast for for two hours. I think it was thirty five or forty dollars. You know, each time we broadcast on Friday. You know, and so that was you know uh, because I had been on radio before, and you know, and uh, and this good brother man, we 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 made a good tag team, much like me and Irv. <laughs> yeah. And and so um, in our quest to try to develop the station, it didn't happen. It didn't work. We, just, we kind of liquidated and lost money, but I was serious about it. And so um, aside from broadcasting, we we developed a channel on, um, I think it's through YouTube or whatever. Didn't work out. Didn't last long. And so I moved here. I was still trying to broadcast when I moved here to Atlanta and um, on a YouTube channel, I think it was, or something else. But anyway, went back to Milwaukee and hooked up with my good sister, Queen Ifama, and she was on Blog Talk Radio, and I wasn't hip to Blog Talk Radio. So I got a station on Blog Talk Radio, and so we started broadcasting on this Motherland, we call it some Motherland Media, you know. 
uh, myself, and Doc Rogers, um, there's his program, and a few others. So, you know, problem with blog talk radio, in, in fact, the equipment I had, you know, uh, you can hear background and stuff like that, so it's not cool. And But since I was broadcasting on Internet, on blog talk radio, people started to listen, started to get some people listening. And, in fact, um, and with the assistance of Brother Kwaku, um, that's right, he's been with me a long time, you know. And um, so we um, had a number of people, and if I was gone, he would uh, take over the show along with some other brothers who had listened, you know. <laughs> so some of those cats I really do miss, you know. Bianchi, a no. Don't miss his ass at all. <laughs> but those some good brothers and sisters. So uh, Brother Elliot called me. Because Ralph, you know, who I have a lot of love for, he was listening to the program. And apparently he liked what he heard and and said uh, to Brother Elliot, who has time for an awakening radio. So he came and we sat down and uh, we talked about it over the phone. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I encouraged the brothers who were with me, Dr. Rogers and others, to join and us lifting us, I, I really wanted them to stay, but they they found they they couldn't do deal, deal with it, and so they, but they're still on Block Talk Radio every Thursday. Of course, if you listen to this program, you know I announce them every Thursday. Their radio broadcast will be tomorrow night on Block Talk Radio, you know. And the number to call is nine two nine four seven seven two seven eight nine nine two nine four seven seven two seven eight nine for the Thursday night broadcast of Us Lifting Us, the Economic Development Cooperative for Our People. And so um, we went with uh, Time for an Awakening, and we've been on there. It's been great. It's been upgrading with the equipment and so forth. So uh, I'm hoping that you enjoy the program. And I know a number of people, um, you know, have, and I know we've experienced some experienced some technical problems with, um, tune in because that's what we broadcast on because the deal is this Scotty Reed who has Black Talk Radio Network out of uh, North Carolina is the parent the real parent of course is tune in tune in which is an international radio you have you can get radio anywhere in the world and so Scotty Reed bought a piece he has to broadcast 24-7 365 and brother Elliot out of Philadelphia, bought a piece. Time for an awakening. He has to broadcast 24-7, 365. When I found out about Time for an Awakening, I got in and, and I got a little small piece, which is Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Time for an Awakening. I got that from Elliot. You know, and then I brought with me some of the people that were there, but of course they fell by the wayside except for Doc Rogers. You know, uh, his program on Tuesdays last night, but he isn't broadcasting. I've been trying to call him to see how he's doing. And of course on Saturday, the Sankofa Elders Council, you know. And so, um, so I'm not sure if that's happening either. So, well, anyway, I talked to Brother Elliot recently and Definitely going to try to find out what's happening with Doc Rogers. Also, finding out what's happening with um, 
time for an awakening media. We have so few programs. You know, when I first came on, we have those programs every day. You know, I was enjoying it. You know, now it's just me, him, uh, the Kambongs that are uh, are there living in Ghana. Uh, they have been broadcasting. I'm not sure if they're broadcasting now. Also, to a good friend, uh, Chamoki Infateo, who's with Encobra, they broadcast on on every first and third Mondays. I'm not sure if they're really doing it now, because some of these places that some of these entities have taken a hiatus. Uh, he told me that the uh, people from Mississippi are um, broadcasting on Thursdays. Uh, the Black Liberation Movement, Mississippi on the move from seven to eight. So I mean, you know. <sighs> And, of course, Doc Rogers with the Sankofa Elders Council on Saturday from 7 to 9. Not sure, you know. But I know since I've been here, I've been on this radio station um, two hours, 11 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And one thing I try to be is consistent, you know, be consistent. And so... Um, so Motherland Media, I, I, I announced that because that's that's where we began. So, no, it's not in existence. It's in my heart and in my mind that we, you know, tried to form that out of a response for um, <laughs> them taking the station and then adding insult to injury by playing Elvis Presley music for 24 hours, <laughs> you know. And then us in the community trying to do something. Well, of course, the, the, um, the one of the initial American African stations in Milwaukee was in existence, came into existence in the uh, latter part of the 60s, was WNOV, which is a sister station of WVON in Chicago. WVON and many of the Chicago disc jockeys. Well, of course, one of my favorite has to be Bill Taylor because we have a, have a great relationship with Brother Bill Taylor. In fact, Brother Bill Taylor found, wound up being on television in Milwaukee, WTMJ, for many years. And I've known him. He's a member of ASCAC. He went to the um, went to Kemet back in the 80s when, they, when ASCAC went to Kemet. So, you know, Bill is a beautiful man, him and his wife Daphne. And so, um, so that station, WNOV, uh, the Negro's own voice, as they call it, it's still happening. In fact, Eric Vaughn went there with the man show, you know, on Fridays. But, of course, I moved here. I've been here eight years now. And uh, so I would call in, be a guest. And when I come in town, the people at WNOV, if I want to come on the radio and chop it up, you know, my good brother Keon. And, well, uh, what you call is not there anymore. Um that brother has left. He's got an own station. Of course, Earl Ingram, they tried to work something out with him, but it didn't work. So he's on another radio program that he's on. So, but, you know, um, you know, then they have syndication. They play Al Sharpton, Al Sharpton's show that many people hear nationwide and a few others. But, um, so that's the history of Motherland Media. And that's why I always mention it because it's where we, where I, where I started. I have a, an affection for the motherland, motherland media, and time for an awakening. dot com and blacktalkradionetwork. dot com. Brother Scotty Reed, you know, and of course, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard, every 
Friday at 8 p.m. on Friday and 7 p.m. on Sunday. Every Friday and Sunday they broadcast. So, uh, why not? We got plenty of time. I'm going to announce some. Well, one of the things I'm definitely going to announce, of course, is Africa for the Africans because Bromani Tahimba, who I talked to earlier, he's on his way to Ghana tomorrow. To Ghana. He's on his way to Tanzania tomorrow. He's on his way to Tanzania tomorrow and has a good group, a very good group. And on December 7th, we will be talking with Brother Bomani, Brother Bomani about the uh, trip to Tanzania. And, uh, you know, it's just beautiful. Wednesday, December 7th. And so um, look forward to talking with Brother Bomani always. And, uh, you know, you got to give that brother much love and props for his diligence and his vision. He's been trying to take, he's, he has taken over 400 of our people since, two, since 2006 to the motherland on these trips of a lifetime. You know, these tours. You know, he still has uh, in December, December 24th to January 5th, 2023 to Ghana. April, March 30th to April 10th, March 30th to April 10th, 2023 to Senegal and Gambia. May 24th to Jan- June. See, man, I, come on, Oshi. <laughs> what do you say there? I need my glasses. May 24th to June 5th, 2023 to Ghana. And July 20th through July 23rd, 2023 to Rwanda. And then November 16th to the, to the 27th. Same as this year. This is the 17th to the 28th. This is uh, the 16th through the 27th, 2023 to Tanzania. And then December 24th, 2023 to January 4th, 2024, Azenia. Going to Azenia. If you don't know who Azenia is or where Azenia is, South Africa. Azenia. See, t- to me, as often as you can use the African term and language and so forth, to me, it's always better. It's better. It helps prepare you and prepare your mind. And March 29th to April 9th, 2024, Liberia. And of course, go to the website, AfricaForTheAfricans.org. AfricaForTheAfricans.org. And of course, another one I promote is Habesha, which is helping Africa by establishing schools at home and abroad. And of course, last month was their big uh, coming out, which was the Kashi Project. And, uh, you know, there's pictures on the website that you can go to org. you know, and the great work they're doing. Okay. And of course, my other one, when that group is um, We Buy Black, We Buy Black, which is the largest online marketplace for American African owned businesses, We Buy Black. Get everything you need from us, products that are produced by us. Go to webuyblack.com. And the Ledge Group. Ledge stands for Land for the Environmental Development for Group of Economics. Brother Peter Brown. Need to get him on the air before. Definitely will he be on the air with me before the years. There's no doubt about that. Because they deal in the four areas of human existence without it. You know, they deal in the four critical areas of food, water, clothing, and shelter. 
They have 12 projects going on in six African countries with over 170 um, employed and over 260 members become a member of the Ledge Group. Ledge, Land for the Environmental Development for Group Economics, theledgegroup.com. And, of course, Bibi Atumi, uh, love Bibi Atumi, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Go to bbatumi.com. But you can also listen to this program. I'm going to men- mention that in a minute. Uh, through bbatumi.com, through blacktalkradionetwork.com, and, of course, timeforanawakening.com. Smy Pharmacy, Brother Jabril, give him a call at 731-327-6229, 731-327-6229. Three two seven six two two nine, and uh, Smile Pharmacy. They got the health products that you need. Uh, there are sales on them now, uh, brothers and sisters. They can put together a whole health package for you and um, boost your immune system. You know, we with the winter months coming up, flu season. You know, well, you don't have to have that. So, Smile Pharmacy, SmilePharmacy.com. S M A I F A R M A C Y, Smile Pharmacy. And my good brother, Moses West. Man, Moses West. The Moses West Foundation.org. The Moses West Foundation.org. What, let me tell you what should be happening. There should be a conversation, particularly, I, I ain't speaking about nowhere else but on the continent. There should be a conversation. With Brother Moses West and the African Union, for Brother Moses West to develop these water machines, so those who are seriously in drought-stricken areas, who because uh, sometimes you know drought makes you nomadic, you gotta leave. I gotta go find some water, but you can be where you are. There's water there because water is in the air. He can extract it from the air. Go through the filtering process. Atmospheric water generator. AWG. Atmospheric water generator. And create water. Water not just for drinking. Because the water that comes out has been tested. It's been tested. That what that machine does, it gives you good drinking water. It meets all EPA standards and everything else. But also you can use the water for aquaponics. You can grow food in a desert. So I'm saying, you know, what that's that's the kind of visionary things that uh, we talk about here on this program. And remember, we talked with uh, the brothers from Jackson, Mississippi, Brother Kitchens, who's doing great work, working with Moses West to get more machines. Now, it shouldn't really be a problem because Jackson got some money. Got some money from the federal government. Got some money from the state. How do you use it? Because, I, you know, true, true, true. You got to deal with your infrastructure. The problem of many places in this country, the infrastructure is old. Sometimes the infrastructure goes back to the early 1900s, probably, particularly on the East Coast, in the 18s or older. So, you know, Moses West, go to moseswestfoundation.org, brothers and sisters, and donate. Everything that, I'm, that I announce on this, uh, on this platform, I'm asking you to take a look at. You know, there might be something that you want to give to. 
I give to a number of these. And I can't give to everybody. But I give to a number of these. Because I want these things to succeed. Because I believe and understand that they are good for our people. And they're doing it for our people. So I give. So, Wadada's Healthy Market and Juice Bar, which is down the street from me here. Wadada's. And uh, delicious smooth fruity. <laughs> delicious fruit smoothies and <laughs> energy drinks and all kind of good stuff. They have an assortment of, of uh, herbs and spices and organic. I mean, really, Wadada's got it going on. I remember when they first opened. Man, it's really been transformed. It's doing great. It's, it's doing great. So Wadada's Healthy Market uh, Juice Bar, located here in the West End, across the street from Soul Vegetarian Restaurant, up the street from the Shrine of the Black Madonna. And the Shrine, of course, is getting ready for Kwanzaa season. Can't wait. Can't wait. The Meddu Bookstore in the Greenbrier Mall. The Meddu Bookstore in the Greenbrier Mall. My sister, Mama Nia. And um, she has a, a little bit bigger store, but she also has a room. Uh, she has access to the room where we can have presentations. Baba Baruti had his presentation there. I'm going to do one upcoming. And um, so there that is. The Medu Bookstore in the Greenbrier Mall. She has a fine selection of books, postcards, greeting cards, gift certificates, T-shirts, figurines, and all kind of good stuff. Give her a call at 404. Three four six three two six three. That's four zero four three four six three two six three. The Medu Bookstore in the Greenbrier Mall. Medu means writing. Nature means the gods. That's, so instead of saying hieroglyphs, family, don't say them damn hieroglyphs. That's Greek. It's called the Medu Nature. The Medu Nature. The writings of God. The other bookstore, of course, is my good friend, Brother Gazimde Ajamu with Black Dot Cultural Center Bookstore in Lithonia and um, and Coffee Bar, of course. Develop a coffee bar there. And it, I love the way he's utilized his space there. Give him a call at 770-305-6373. That's 770-305-6373. There is light in the Black Dot. He's located east of Atlanta off of I-20 in a city called Lithonia, which is next to Stonecrest, where the new Black Wall Street Market is. The new Black Wall Street Market from the exit you get off for, um, you get off that exit for um, the med, uh, excuse me, for the Black Dot. The next exit east of there is exit 75, Turner Hill Road. Exit 75, Turner Hill Road, make a right go down three lights make another right and on the left will be the new black wall street market and i'm going to check it out so I'm see if they i know they're getting ready for the for the big holidays the high holiness the high holy days <laughs> us lifting us to economic development cooperative for our people on in the spirit of ujama cooperative economics or family centered economics as we like to call it they have their Thursday night broadcast every Thursday night, tomorrow night, from 9 to 10, from 9 p.m. Eastern Time to 10, on Thursday nights, Us Lifting Us, on Blog Talk Radio. You can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash ULU, and that'll take you to the page where you can listen online. But if you want to call to listen, that's cool, or give questions, comments, or concerns, 
put press one that'll put you in the queue that you want to you know conversate or have something to say but just dial 929 477 2789 that's 929 477 2789 us lifting us and homeland village is another one i promote because i went down there when uh brother umar infateo was giving his presentation in macon georgia and uh at the homeland village and cultural gift shop in macon and that's brother bob baba abija and it's located 2910 napier avenue in macon georgia he got everything there, family. He even got a restaurant. He even has a vegan restaurant. But he has books, furniture, clothing, DVDs, CDs, oils, and incense, and beauty products. I mean, really. This, you know, tell him that. This brother, brother, brother Bija got it going on. And he's open from Tuesday. He's open from Tuesday through Sunday. Closed on Mondays. Tuesday through Sunday. From 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The number to call, call Brother BJ at 478 256 1166. That's 478 256 1166. Homeland Village and Cultural Gift Shop. Ah, Sanjay. My good sister Shelly Iman said, good people, man. Believe me. She has Sanjay, excuse me, she has a Sun Goddess Sense. Sun Goddess Sense, your one-stop natural shop. And it's located at 4140 in Jonesboro Road in Forest Park, Georgia, inside the International Discount Mall, booth 225. Give my sister Shelly Amonset a call at 404-434-7963. That's 404-434-7963. Sun Goddess Sense, your one-stop natural shop sanjay-aed.org that's sister gabrielle aurelia you know i tell you they rely on the goodness of brothers and sisters like us to do whatever we can to help what she's doing to facilitate what she's doing in the northeastern part of haiti if you go to the website sanjay-aed.org you will see the beautiful children in uniforms you will see the health care that is being provided. You will see the sustainable agriculture. You will see the entrepreneurship of selling the things that they that they provide uh, in that part of the uh, country. Sanjay-Haiti.org S-O-N-J-E-A-Y-I-T-I.org Okay. Kibuke. This this Saturday, family. It's this Saturday. And uh, it's going to be from 5 to 9. It's the 17th annual. Remembering the Middle Passage through the eyes of our ancestors. I mean, it's moving. It's deep. November 19th. 5 to 9. Eastern Time. The physical location is going to be at the sweet spot, 675, 675 Metropolitan Parkway, Southwest, 675 Metropolitan Parkway, Southwest. Donations, $20 a family, 15 for couples, 10 for adults, and 5 for the young folks. If you want to know more of what's happening, give Baba Rudy or my 
any uh, Baruti, a call at 404-753-7237. That's 404-753-7237. Kibuka. And of course, Akaban Institute. And if you want to give to Akaban Institute, the work that he's doing accepts no, no money from nobody outside of us. Accept no money from nobody outside of us, outside of African people to educate our children the way we want them to, the way they need to be educated, to teach them to be the young warriors that, we just, that we're going to need, nation builders that we're going to need. You can send it to PayPal. And um, that's at Yahbrudy at Yahoo. You can send it to Cash App. Cash app, dollar sign, Yah, Y-A-A, the letter M, Baruti, B-A-R-U-T-I. If you want to read some of the books that Baba Baruti uh, writes, he is prolific. And you can go to akabenhouse.com, akabenhouse.com. And there will be the books that are there for you to look at. Because, uh, as I said, he's a prolific writer. So, we're going to read the Enye Sasin, and then we're going to get off into what we're going to talk about today. It's a Baba Baruti day, because <laughs> we're going to talk from the identity book that he has here. November 15th, always in the presence of always in the presence of color whites the Caucasian European Urugu will feel genetically inferior Dr. Francis Press Welsing the politics of inclusion are simply strategic efforts to co-opt and absorb competing interpretations of reality while Europeans remain supreme in their control of all real forms of power at the cultural and societal levels in what fundamentally remains a monocultural supremacist reality, inclusion is simply an illusion. Inclusion is simply an illusion designed to fragment and dissipate the anger that erupts when the disposed learn that they are purposefully disposed and that they have been systematically lied to in conscious effort to conceal this fact from them. Those in control accept different Okay, Doc Rogers call. Okay. All right. So unfortunately, it's not a good time. <laughs> well, he's on he's on central time, so we'll 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 deal with him. Those in control accept difference long enough to defuse the rage, creating and upholding all other lies that support it. In this way, Europeans never have to admit that they are absolutely wrong or lose their erroneous claims to superiority. Their reality absorbs all those truths that are not too troublesome for it to handle and smothers them into oblivion. Affirm, I do not play with others' politics and inclusion. See, see, you know, back in the day talking about integration, it is never, it was never integration. Because integration is 
what I have that is good and usable and then you, what you have that is good and usable. We bring it together and acknowledge and respect what you have and you respect what I have and we work together to bring forth something positive for the people that we represent or that those people can understand. That's not the case. This was forced assimilation into the ideas and concepts that they wanted. It's not integration. And what we need, of course, is separation. What we need is independence. What we need is self-determination. What we need is liberation. What we need is sovereignty for African people. I don't give a damn what they say or what they do. That's what we need. November 16th. Children are the only future of any people. If the children's lives are squandered, and if the children of a people are not fully developed at whatever cost and sacrifice, the people will have consigned themselves to certain death. Once again, Dr. Francis Chris Wellesley. Francis Day. Well, you know, I have two, two books of Enya Saysim. The first volume and the second one. So that's why we have a lot of reading. <laughs> Especially under the circumstances in which we find ourselves. I'm surprised at the number of endorsements, applauding the information and acknowledged possessed by individuals who are experts about our children's lives. Having studied our situation for decades, these knowledgeable individuals will articulate this inevitable situation. The disturbing part, the disturbing part is that uh, their words are almost never directly and actively applied to improving the lives of our children. These experts claiming to be warriors should know better because we know that there is no such thing as intelligence without conscience, concrete application. This direct connection between head and hands has always been our tradition. In fact, to think and not use those thoughts in service to the community is not considered thinking. It's just Putin, it's just Putin and pontificating. Such barren compilations have always been seen as mere stupidity. So all of the grand pronouncements and treaties about the plight of our children and future mean nothing if concrete corrective action is not uncompromisingly excuse me uncompromisingly transformed into action designed to save them at whatever cost and sacrifice if their lives are squandered and our future as a people remain and ruin this ignorance it is not to blame if their lives are squandered and our future as a people ruined then ignorance is not the blame. The only possible cause, given Urugu centuries of systematically suppressing our children's genius, thereby keeping every coming generation down, could be fear. It could be fear of what Urugu would think and do to us if we did what is required to save them. Affirm, I ensure that our children's lives are not squandered. Affirm, I ensure that our children's lives are not squandered. 
brothers and sisters, the Inye Sasim of daily revolutionary thought. The Inye Sasim. Today, we're going to talk about cultural genocide. Cultural genocide. This is the uh, seventh chapter of the book, Identity, which Baba came out with late last year, early this year. The desert takes. The desert knows no giving. It is not in the nature of the desert to return anything but destruction. Spring water flowing to the desert, your future is extinction. Aikwe Armand. Cultural genocide, what we call cultural side, from here on out, is the process of killing a culture through shredding the material and non-material traditions through which it is transferred from one generation to the next. Cultural genocide fully disconnects a culture's people from any sense of meaningful interaction or affinity with it. In fact, when successful, it turns its people completely away from and even against it. That's our problem, family. I know in this culture, we have developed a subculture because of the alienation from the dominant culture. And unfortunately, the subculture we created is not African. Some may argue the subculture that we created is Negroid, is nigger, is detrimental to African people. Though often masked behind an intense denial, self-absorbed rationalization, it brings immeasurable pain to a people. It is a wicked, ungodly, unforgiving thing to do to any people, no matter their nature and condition, to destroy a people's culture, to make them behave and act unlike themselves. is evil. Yet, it is what those without affection, emotion, conscious, or divinely connected melanin have been committing against us for the last four millennium, for the last 400 years. And they continue this unprovoked cultural side because they know that in order for them to succeed in their crusade for global domination, we, of all people, must be culturally eradicated. For we are the first the original genius that made all that is knowledgeable of nature, universal order to ourselves and the world. And in, and in virtually every way imaginable, we are their opposites. Cultural side flows. Cultural side follows the evolutionary dictates of a Eurocentric political science. Cultural side follows the evolutionary dictates of Eurocentric political science. It follows a, a, 
scientifically sanction and apply ideology of supremacy that is compelled to define the last at best in order for them to be worth and most right. Accordingly, we must be led and then lead ourselves to forget both the trauma and the memory of the pain inflicted by this horrendous subhuman act we have reconceptualized as the ma'afa. No matter what we do to ourselves or each other as a result of it, we must remember that cultural side is something done by others against us. Let me say that clearly. No matter what we do to ourselves or each other as a result of it, we must remember that cultural side is something that is done by others against us. Brothers, we not our own worst enemy. We're not. We have been trained to think in that way. We're not our own worst enemy. But we are so self-hating, aren't we? Because we've been trained to be. It is a natural, unsuppressed outcome of the ma'afa. Its initial, most destructive stages corrupt and nullify a people's culturally correct social institutions disconnecting them from their essence and leaving them without a credible natural source of energy, truth and inspiration. These evolve to take on a more sophisticated life of their own in the minds of a people who willingly through, though unwittingly become caught up in the rapture of their own destruction. Just like that, that peace, that collaborative peace and self-destruction. We're headed for self-destruction because of all the things that we do to ourselves and we blame ourselves for it, but not having to understand the real culprit, the hidden hand as Mr. Minister Farrakhan used to call it. The things that are, that, that are directing us to behave in certain ways. The goal, of course, is to remove people with a decent working African memory from the Western cultural landscape. We repeat, this definition is no way implies that this greatest of human atrocities is anywhere near complete. No assault against African people in this growing insanity can be final until we are no more. Knowing this, we can never succumb to the fleeting thoughts of surrender or resignation. Those who know who we are are the culmination of a power of African people. We must know and always act on, our, on the our historical fact that know that one of our finest qualities is resilience. It is a cultural characteristic proven time and countless times again. So to speak of the Ma'afa is not defeatism or being stuck in the past. Our recognition of the, of the extent of the damage successfully committed against our, our nation is meant to provide the broadcast picture of the assault and give a clear understanding of what happened and, in, and is happening so that the centered Africans will develop the magnitude will, will develop the magnitude of what we have committed ourselves to reverse. In this process, it teaches us of the traditions and the sanity to which we must fully return if we are to again claim an African, an African sanity. If we are too weak to stomach the intent 
and effects of our sworn enemy, how can we be expected to stop and reverse them? What is this deculturalization? Deculturalization is an aspect or outcome of cultural side in the process by where whereby the people number one, there are five areas number one are taken out of their natural cultural environment taken out of Africa I don't give a damn if because Europeans in their environment were looking and doing this we were in our environment we were looking and doing that taken out of our environment and coming and being brought to the Western Hemisphere. More of us brought to Brazil than anywhere. Other parts of South America, the Caribbean, to the States. Number two, are placed in an alien and alienated one that is counter and against their own. You were meant to be a servant. You were you were put into captivity. You were meant to work from sunup to sundown. You were meant to be degraded and dehumanized. And you suffered the sting of the lash if you rejected or rebelled. You place an alien, an alienated one that is counter against our own. Number three, are forced to adapt and eternalize as their own this alien culture's beliefs. Their beliefs, their values, their technological methodologies, imperatives, and aspirations. Because you have none of your own. Whatever the Caucasians desires, whatever the Caucasians wanted to do, whatever the whatever Europeans you went along. You had no say. Number four, come to accept this this divisively foreign personality as their own. Come to accept this divisive foreign personality as their own. And those who did that were given some measure of privilege, particularly to keep those who haven't in check. Number five, fully reject everything of meaning which they ascended from and therefore their essence and their self. Deculturalization's first three stages are the outcome of external enemy forces. The last two are orchestrated by efforts engendered and and, and generated within the false consciousness created within the victim's thought, a dysfunctional, self-destructive and disempowering socialization. This fault This false consciousness naturally manifests itself in whatever new institutions and communities these people created for themselves and within the bounds of the negative, limiting definitions given them of themselves by the oppressor. In no social transformation are the stages mutually exclusive or whatever meaningful connection. They, too, are epigenetic. Within the five stages of deculturalization present here, 
the stage at which a people is most dramatically and effectively transformed into something other than themselves is the third is the third stage the third stage is are forced to adapt you are forced and you are internalized has their own this alien culture's belief the values the techn- technological methodologies imperatives and aspirations that is the that is that step it is during this period which when they have been separated from their source long enough to begin to confuse an alien space. People and standard with their home, hope, and vision. Here, Mentesai finds a welcome home. Often, though, there are even more horrific results for the human psyche of the vanquished than simple self-confusion. Often, they find that the torture given by their undeniable mirror images and the hateful force with which they are slammed against themselves by those who work toward their self-negation and the disarming deception of the occupying culture's universalizing theories cause them to seek escape into the delusion that we carry them toward the denial of any cultural direction. Within our community, these special individuals totally refuse to accept the possibilities that they are thinking and acting within a social context of any culture at all. Hmm. Lost souls, brothers and sisters, these are lost souls. Next to actually committing suicide, this is the worst stage of deculturalization because it allows deeply self-hating Africans to believe that there is truly no such thing as culture. For them, culturally, cultural actually come. Excuse me. From them, culture actually comes to be defined as a whimsical, epigrammatic, and idiosyncratic, without logical, lasting basis or purpose. Worst of all, when not seen as of European origin, it is seen as regressive and harmful to self-expression and identity. Having been taught in the deadly avalanche of racist health excuse me racist hatred created by the icicled mind the icicled minds forged within the unforgiving caves of the earth's last massive ice age glacier age such individuals have become root, rootless they have rejected the unequivocal significance of culture to their very existence all the while held captive to horribly anti-African cultural beliefs and practices. It's who they are. It's who they are, brothers and sisters. Let the sky and God be our limit in eternity, our measure. There is no height to which we cannot climb by using the active intelligence of our minds. Mind creates and has much as we aspire in nature. We can have enough the creation of our own minds. The Honorable Marcus Mosiah Garvey. What sits in healing opposition to cultural genocide and deculturalizations are reculturalization, re-Africanization and nation building. These three intertwined inseparable processes form the basis for return to African order 
and sovereignty within the context of the African Asili cultural and tradition. So since it makes little sense to critique a problem of the magnitude brought by the forces of cultural genocide and deculturalization without offering a viable practical solution, what do we do now? How do we solve this problem? Theoretically, the answer is simple. Simply reverse the process. To do this, the longing for whiteness and insistent self-hatred must be brought to a halt and reversed. Let me repeat. To do this, the longing for whiteness and insistent self-hatred must be brought to a halt and reverse. Culture must be defined as a revolutionary force, a power that resides within the people who are determined to use it as a holistic catalyst to attain and sustain their sovereignty. Next to spirit, it must be recognized and embraced as the greatest force a revolutionary people can create in their best interest and possessed on the front line. The value of culture has an element of resistance to foreign domination lies in the fact that culture is a vigorous manifestation on the ideological and idealist level of material and historical reality of the society that is dominated or is being dominated. Culture is simultaneously the fruit of a people's story and its determination. The positive or negative influence it exerts on the evolution of relationships between people and their, uh, and their environment and among individuals or groups within a society, as well as between different societies, it is enormous. The problem, though, is that the vast majority of Africans are wholly unaware of their uncontaminated history and, and heritage. In addition, too many among them want nothing to do with their inherited power. So unless an African state of martial law can be globally declared for the many generations, the full re-internalization of our African mind would take, it will not occur. It will not occur. Moreover, the solution would entail mentocidal Africans miraculously deciding to recognize, own up, and shed their confused and begged to be made African. They would have to hunger and hunt for what it means to be African with an even greater disposition and insatiable appetite than one which drove their hunger and hunt for European insanity. We know the probability of this is nil. If that, so what are our own options? There is no question that these people cannot be allowed to hold us back from our return home any more than we can let them, we can let Urugu do this. The logical answer must be to base, be based on a historical understanding. And one of the most important lessons that our history teaches is that <clears throat> severely committed menticide Africans willing, willfully serve the purpose of distracting us from our revolutionary moment. Let me repeat. The logical answer must be based on an, our historical understanding and one that the most important lessons that our story teaches us is that severely committed mentocidal Africans willfully serve the purpose of distracting us from our own revolutionary movement. Persistently, relentlessly, successfully, they have misled us toward wasting our productive energy on trying to convince them of their African unity. Therefore, we must 
focus that energy on those of us with the capacity, i.e. the ability to move beyond mentocidal thinking, and we will be African. We can no longer afford to be sidetracked by those who look like us, but who have no real potential or desire of shedding their confusion and become African. Knowing this, it is only reasonable that all Africans who do not thusly qualify must be considered casualties of war until they prove themselves otherwise. Otherwise, we will continue to drag our movement to a grinding halt. You know, it's deep, ain't it? Our energy, our energy would best be expended attending those who do not recognize our and own up to and truly desire to be African. We can never forget the record of disloyalty, of treacherous subterfuge in our midst. Consciously committed or not, the effect is the same. The capacity has significantly facilitated our slow submersion into a genocidal destruction and extinction as a culture, society, and as a people. As a result of their actions, reactions, and inactions, we have been left with barely enough cultural sealy clay to mold us back into something remarkably beautiful. We can allow ourselves, we cannot allow ourselves to underestimate our ignorance, the impact of fragmented Africans on our revolutionary movement. The progressive impact of energy wasted everywhere on the strength and success of our rebirth as African people in love with our traditions is inevitable, but manageable for those with African vision. Our loving spirit has repeatedly proven itself a liability when dealing with the European onslaught. European people within Europe and in the broader world outside of Europe have always maintained their power and control with a form of protracted violence. The humanity and naivety of African people seem to have always interfered with their understanding of this point. Somehow, we have not yet learned this critical lesson, nor have we adequately guarded our spirits, minds, and bodies against the reactions of new age slaves bent on our destruction. Their faces front, their faces front smiles which mouth distractive, manipulative pleas, and felonious praises unto the hearts still too generous for their own good. Throughout the history of our Ma'afa, we find a consistent and continuous line of people who want to get as far away from their African selves by being fully subintegrated into European cultural and society. They are always the first to say that we cannot have a revolution and empower ourselves until all Africans are brought on board. I hate that. No. Whoever's down, let's be down. Let's get with it. But this illness, our distrust of each other, cannot be cured by blindly adhering to any political philosophy requiring everyone to be included in our revolutionary army, regardless of their politics. That would present us with an even worse downfall. Our people's mendicide is deep. It is so consuming that in some that they want anything but to be African. Others harbor a mendicide that's even more detrimental because it is concealed under the cloak of an African center. These are those who claim African origins and loyalties, but who have 
fully committed themselves to die before they would forego or shed their European ways and appetites for a more righteous, disciplined way. It is in matters of this more dangerous group that we find treason most subconsciously practiced. They are the true agents of whiteness because of their subterfuge. They would have us redefine the origins and the original African in the Europeans' image. And this would include, but not limited to, personality, way of thinking, family disorders, beliefs, tastes, and sexual confusions. They carry the seeds of this <laughs> with them always. Revolutions that require every African, including those who consciously see our enemies as their eternal ally and work to promote and protect any enemies' subversions, interests amongst our people, to not succeed. At most, saboteurs, at most, saboteurs, such as these systematically work to smother revolution efforts until the real oppressing forces are able to finally co-opt them or destroy them. Within the context of Western imperialism, whether occurring among the oppressed or the oppressed, the oppressor or the oppressed, no revolution has ever included everyone. No revolutions ever included. We don't need everyone. We need the dedication. We need the dedication of those brothers and sisters who are sincere about nation building, who are sincere about being African. Sadly, but understandably, given the general weakening of the constitution of Africans held captive in the moral and spiritual vacuum, the determination of and the numbers of those cultural misfits it continues to grow. Regardless of this degeneration, we must put our time, mind, and energy into protecting and nurturing those who do want to be their ancestors. It is in this special group of sighted Africans we must be kept the enemies within and without who would make it appear that there is no such thing as being African. Silencing both the endless wailing of all the inclusionists and the empowering would-be warriors are both fibers in the solution's roots. Regardless of our vulnerability to the truth of liars, there are lessons we can never again forget. We must always remember that they can never completely repress the memory of the abused. As a matter of fact, if we allowed abusers will not let you. At every opportunity, they will try to, to contain or track you down until they are reduced to all a well-less shell with no desire to escape and benefit of any notion of the possibility of victory. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm going to stop right there. There's a lot more, but I'm going to stop right there and uh, take a break. And then uh, when we come back from the break, open the phone lines up. There's a number of you on the phone now. And we'll open the phone lines up. And then uh, we'll uh, take your questions, comments, or concerns, you know. And uh, I tell you, I mean, it's, it's sad. It's sad. It really is. With our condition, it's sad. 
that these folks have did what they've done. But it's sad on our part because we can't break out of it. You know, and, and, and it seems that, you know, the, the, the more uh, what we have done, the, the more we can't break out of it becomes something that they have developed complete control of. So, brothers and sisters, you're listening to African Perspective here on the Motherland Media Network on timeforanawakening.com and blacktalkradionetwork.com. We'll be right back. You stick with us. You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshi on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com.
You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. Welcome back, brothers and sisters. Once again, you're listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on timeforanawakening.com and blacktalkradionetwork.com. We're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Other programming we have here on Time for an Awakening from 8 to 9 on Mondays, Black Therapy Central with Dr. Kamal Kambon, his wife, Dr. Mawia Kambon, and her daughter, Nataki Kambon. From 9 to 10 on Mondays, Conversation Reparations every first and third Mondays. And then on Tuesdays, Black Reality Think Tank with Dr. William Rogers returning. I just talked to Dr. Rogers. He's going to be turning on December 1st. Can't wait to hear him. So all of us will be listening and you know, because he's had some health health challenges, and uh, and it's it's really an unfortunate situation because it was caused on by where he lives in Milwaukee. The sister who had the property sold to somebody else, and the guy tore it up. And his man. Well, anyway, Doctor Rogers will be back December first. Look forward to it. Thursdays from seven to eight, Mississippi on the move. The Black Liberation Movement from 7 to 8 on Thursdays. If it's Friday and it's 8 p.m., it's time for an awakening with Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. Saturdays from 7 to 9, the Sankofa Elders Council. And then on Sunday from 7 p.m., once again, time for an awakening with Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. Yeah. Yep. You know, when I talk about these things and I'm talking about re-Africanization I'm talking about us being independent being self-determining being liberated and being sovereign and, and I want you to understand clearly what it means to be sovereign and I know that I have a uh, sovereign piece that uh, Mama Marimba had for, for Kwanzaa which is outstanding I'll pull that up, but I, the one that Baba Baruti sent me many years ago, way back uh, when I first came here, 2015, I think it was. I came here in 2014, but uh, I got that piece from him back in 2015. And uh, it says, we are sovereignty-seeking warriors. Brothers and sisters, if if, if you... And whatever you do to help our people, particularly our young people, remember I just read the Inye Say Some about the young people, how important it was that we work with our young people, our future. Help them understand this is who we are. No, you are not that. This is who you are. And so we need to understand how important that is. The successful outcome of any nationalist movement is sovereignty for the people. Being sovereign means having absolute control over the life of the nation. Right now, as always, for African people, sovereignty is measured by how intelligently, independently, and powerfully we control our resources, our story, our culture, our time and space, and our destiny. 
is to have the power within the nation to control our lives and to control them in our best interest, regardless of opposition from outside of us. Accordingly, being sovereign has to mean that there is no one beyond us who makes any decisions about how we rule ourselves, about how we live, what we believe, how we deal with enemies, whether inside or out, either aliens, out, or traitors within. And how we visualize our future and communicate and express that vision, it means that we are completely and consciously self-defining, self-determining, self-respecting, and self-empowered. And since no nation has ever risen to power and stayed there without holding their own tradition sacred. Sovereignty necessarily means that we know, respect, protect, and extend in time through every coming generation who we are as a direct reflection of our ancestors. Sovereignty is our ultimate goal. That's the, that's the end game, brothers and sisters. They talk, what's the end game? What do we really want to do? It's show and the hell ain't to assimilate into this madness, into this insanity. It's showing the hell that is. That's for damn sure. So we got a lot of work to do. Give us a call at 215-490-9832. 215-490-9832 if you want to get in this conversation. We have a number of brothers and sisters, I guess, in the queue. So hit star twice. Hit star twice and you can be uh, part of the conversation. Hit star twice or give us a call at 215-490-9832. 215-490-9832. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Brother Oshie. Peace and blessings to you and all listeners on the phone. Um, uh, boy, I mean, um, you know, there are a lot of external forces that uh, we're confronted with. Um, you know, politics, religion, you know, addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you. Go ahead, brother. Oh, yeah. There, there's a lot of external forces that st- still continue to confront us, Right and prohibit us from becoming that sovereign organism that we need to become. Um, you know, I, I, I wonder, you know, with this system that's broken, it tends to want to establish a new equilibrium, right, in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of wonder, you know, how can we combat um, these, uh, uh, you know, the politics, the religion, the addictions, for example, drug addiction, um, uh, this escapism from reality that we, that's been put in front of us that we think we have to abide by. In other words, those standards by which we should operate, right? Um, and, and I just kind of wonder uh, what can be done Um I know that that Dr. Bridges from another program talked about the recapturing of the African mind and uh, his book that he's written. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of wonder uh, what would it take to drive
drive that energy once again, right? Um, what would it have to take for us to to get this revelation back again? Uh, you know, I try to talk with folks here within the area where I am and about the Ma'afa, about that African holy cost and such. Uh, but apparently that mindset just cannot get uh, beyond <laughs> the 50s and the 60s, right? It just cannot beyond yeah. that. It's, yeah. a, it's like the world started in 1954, right, with Brown <laughs> Board of Education. And I'm saying, yeah. no, this is not quite exactly it. And yeah. so uh, I, I just kind of wonder, is there things or are there things that uh, can be done um, to help fortify this reconstitution of ourselves as African people? Well, I, I look at it, uh, and, and, and thank you for that, Brother brother Ted Luss. Uh, I look at it has an ongoing process for us to re-Africanize ourselves. But the problem is we live in America and we're bombarded. We're bombarded 24-7, 365 of images uh-huh. and notions of our of our Africanness in, 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 in such a negative and, and vicious cycle that it's, it's very hard for us to trust one another, believe in one another, work with one right. another, share things with another. In fact, in this society, every social ill in European, Caucasian, Urugu society where we are is always against us and always will be against us because that's that's how they are. That's how they operate. You know, but we don't want to look at that. We don't want to see it because we've been trained to fear. We've been trained to fear them. Okay. And what you know? And what are the consequences? I mean, you see it even today when they want to talk about something against Yoruba, they they lower their voices. You know, uh-huh. you know they lower their voices so they don't want. I ain't lowering nothing. I'm screaming because the the existence of African people is at stake. And I ain't talking about here in America. I'm talking about globally. When I talk about, I talk about us globally. Even when I talk about reparations, I don't talk about reparations here. I'm talking about reparations for us globally. Because everybody has had a hand in, in, in dogging out Africans and, and stealing Africa wealth. Their human wealth and their material wealth. All of them. And, and as a consequence, we are being targeted for extinction. It doesn't take all of us. In fact, it can't be all of us because all of us, just like Marcus Garvey said, we're some of us are so messed up, we ain't no good here and we won't be no good there. So I don't want you to stay your ass here. You yeah. know? Because you ain't going to be good for nobody anyway. But the element of us who seek this information, who are willing to work with one another and who understand that our very survival is bringing into existence an African reality, an African vision. And, 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 and as Malcolm said, we must do this by any means necessary. I think the number one way is what we're doing here on a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday basis. This is what we talk about. This is the only conversation. Everything else is moot. The only conversation we should be having is how do we bring this reality into existence? How does this come about? Number one thing is to educate ourselves and educate each other. Yeah. You know, to, to, to hold forums. 
to begin to speak these special truths and, and to support one another. We have, we have plenty African-centered scholars. We have plenty African-centered uh, 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 programs. But is it the implementation level is where it leaves something to be desired? And, num- and number one, we ain't looking for everybody. We're looking for those dedicated few who can begin to work together and then go to continent, work with those dedicated few to work together, get rid of all the despots, get rid of all the neocolonialists, get rid of all the Negroes, get rid of all the foreign occupation, get rid of all of that, and African people will do for themselves. Make the sacrifices and the commitment to do for themselves. But you, see, Brother Lust, we here in America, we just like the cracker. We want the goodies. We want the trinkets. We want the, you know, we want the car. We want the job. We want, you know, we, because we feel entitled. Especially for the, some of us who feel entitled because of what has happened to us. Uh-huh. Not understanding that further going down this rabbit hole leads to nothing but our destruction, nothing but death. But a lot of us don't want to talk about that because we believe that we too sing America. We too uh, salute and, and I mean, especially nowadays because all of the movies that you might see, commercials that you see, if you, if, if, if you are not aware of who we are culturally and historically, what you sing is putting the impression on you that this is great for all of us. Uh-huh. Don't it? Don't it look? You know, we yep. have every every. I bet you, if you watch commercials in a day now, in a day, almost half the commercials, almost half, if they show couples, there's going to be a Caucasian and an African, mostly Caucasian males and females, uh, African females. You know, and, and that's and, and that's what led me to a question that I asked a, a couple of programs before. That uh, it's uh, to to Jay uh, in particular about those African-centered couples. Who are they? Where are oh, they? Oh, right. I yeah. Mean, I mentioned about Nathan and Julia here, right. and now you also mentioned about the Kamban, et cetera. So mm-hmm. apparently, that's not being shown enough of. No. Right. No. And, and so, it's I kind of wonder. What would it take, right? I know there are conferences. I know that there are Zooms, et cetera, et cetera, that individualize us all, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there is a mechanism in place that show us as a couple or collective that I see, right? Right. And, and um, I think there was a, a thing that I came across with ASCAT where there was a family, uh, I think out of the Georgia area, by the way, that uh, had the whole family in the background, right? And so these are the things that I think that really, really needs to be shown much more of, right? Right, And, and right. so how do we get that done? Now, this book, it, it appears as though you got pretty deep in it, uh, uh, the cultural uh, genocide. Yes. And that's, you know, somewhere around the 200 uh, pages. And, and Baruti writes the kind and type of hardcore work, man. I know. I know. And I've been there. I've yeah. had a couple of his other books to say, oh, you just cannot go through this from 
cover to cover, right? No, no. This is something that has right. to be implemented. Mm-hmm. And I see this program and what he's doing. But thank you for sharing that. I, I do, too, have the Identity Book uh, as well. I don't have it with me in front uh-huh. of me, but I do have his book and a couple others as well, Negroes. And so just yeah. to, to read his book, you have to implement the kind and type of work that he's uh, printed on page. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No doubt. No doubt. And and what he what he does in all of his information is trying to put it on our minds that, yes. that even though it looks to some of us very bleak, you know, very sad, very pathetic, but yet and still, if we step outside of the imposed boundaries that Europeans have placed upon us, if we release the vice grip that he has on our minds, then we could see our destiny clearly as an African people, because that's what we want to do. We want to re-Africanize ourselves. We want to. We want an African destiny. We're not leaving not a damn thing up to Europeans to do for us what we must do for ourselves. And this is what's happening. See, and so, it, so it, I, I believe that in another decade, getting up out of this one, it'll be more serious for us because it'll it'll show how problematic it is for us here as a people. No, yes, they'll always trot out those who are politicians, those who are religious people, those who made it, you know, the number of millionaires that we have and maybe a few billionaires right. here that we have. But the bottom line is that is not what is ultimately good for us as a people because these folks want to destroy us. They want to eliminate us. And everybody else on the planet is with them. As Dr. John Henry Clark so eloquently stated, we have no friends. When the Chinese are talking about putting 300 million people into the continent, when the, when the Indians are going back to Uganda to colonize Uganda or make it their own again, when other entities who have money, the, the Arabs who have been there still dominate and control the northern part of Africa, and of course, what the Europeans have consistently and continuously done, the French, the France, France would be an asshole country if it wasn't for Africa. And they have stated such. You know, so this is this is this is the quest for us. This this decade right here is going to be about the African survival. Although there have been a number of, I think this was, was this supposed to be the decade of the African Renaissance? I don't remember. It was bullshit anyway. you know so but to me this is what we must do we must embrace that more importantly we must share that and more importantly than that we must work towards that it must be effort the fact that I know that's one thing but what do I do the fact that I say things what do I do I try my best brother Ted not to be a hypocrite in anything that I do what I say is I what say. I do. You know, that's the bottom line. I ain't saying one thing and doing another. You know, it is who I am. It's what I live for. You know, I, I have more years behind me than I have ahead of me. And the years of my declining years, when I know that I'm about to make that expiration date, <laughs> about to expire, I really want to oh, see, yeah. I really want to see us moving in that direction as a people, you know. That's that to me. That that to me is be great because I I want us to once again to be independent, self determining, 
I want us to be liberated. And Lord, I want us to be sovereign. I want us to be sharing one another and doing for ourselves. You know, and if it oh, takes, I, I haven't seen the new movie yet. Uh, the, um, the, the Wakanda, Wakanda Forever? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, I haven't seen it either, not yet, uh, myself. I, I just kind of wonder from the people who have seen it that I've talked with, um, you have all of these different interpretations, right? Right. And one of the things that I, I, I kind of respond, even though I have not seen it, I say, I hope that we're not letting the silver screen dictate what it is that we think we ought to be doing now. And, and so <laughs> yes, just, brother. Don't, don't disrespect for those who have seen it. But yeah. I just kind of, you know, just, just kind of be careful on, on where we are with this. Remember, you're still spending your hard-earned dollars mm-hmm. to go to that movie, to see that movie, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I just kind of, uh, okay, you've seen it. I'll buy you coffee over at uh, uh, over at the house when you come over and visit. We can talk about it. Or okay, we'll and, do that. Take a little meal. But the thing about it is that I hope that we uh, not let uh, the silver screen kind of paralyze us. Mm-hmm. All I right? agree. Yeah, and so sometimes we that image one of, of the five senses, the sight is the most important, right? Because mm. that image that you see through your eyes is getting projected into to your into mind, your mind. Mm-hmm. Well, subconscious, right? And and, 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 and it drives your actions, and it drives your <laughs> actions <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. It sure does. So, um, but it's interesting. It's one of those uh, movies that I've just. So eventually, maybe not now, anytime soon, uh, with the prices on on, on <laughs> yeah, really, what it, exactly and, what and it costs to go to the stuff. theater? <laughs> Ten dollars yeah, to get so, in, and 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 and, yeah. and thirty dollars for concessions. I agree with you, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to think about that. Yeah, all right, dear brother. Asante Sanababa, thank you so very much. Always, for sharing. brother. And, uh, Always, brother. You're, you're you're really you did deep to that book. I think I got to page. 75 so far okay. uh, in that book, uh, in oh, that yeah. identity book. It's, it's, it's a wealth. A, it's a wealth. It's such a dense, yeah. dense, and Baba Baruti is a dense writer, man. So um, it's uh, maybe one day when you, you get back, I'll have a couple of questions, get it okay. back on the show and get them. Right and, on. Uh, have a couple of questions. But uh, yeah, that sounds like you're really deep in that book, man, <laughs> with the okay. cultural uh, genocide. All right, brother. You. Peace to you, my brother. Peace, Peace. and blessings. Peace. Nine, nine, one, three, nine, one, three. Good afternoon. Yes, sir. Greetings to you, brother. Hey, brother. Is it, is it Richard Rich or is it? <laughs> uh, Rick. Rick. Got you now, man. Yeah. I got you. I thought it was, okay, it's Rick. Right on, brother. Okay, go ahead. Yes, sir. I enjoy the conversation. I, I always uh, am attracted to, you know, conversations where, Black men are talking, you know, men, and I'm, I don't mean to dismiss anyone else, but the task that we have ahead of us, men are going to have to initiate it. There ain't no two ways about it. That's the way nature is set up. And so if we defy nature, and I'm not saying exclude anyone, I'm saying, but men and women are different by, by nature, <laughs> speaking of nature, mm-hmm. and there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, That's right. I, 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 well, you know, one of the things that, or I should say a couple of things that, um, 
we should explore is like Sun Tzu's The Art of War. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many black people have read through those testimonies, because that's what I call them. But they show how things not only get done, but how they get initiated. And that's something that is sadly missing among us as a people in this, literally captives here in this, mm-hmm. in this culture. That's what we are. And mm-hmm. we're captures. Yeah, we're we captured. Are. That's right. We are captured. Inside captors, of I a agree. culture. Mm-hmm. And we don't think in terms outside of this culture. You know, we get up in the morning, we go to work. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that's what slaves did. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the week, we get paid. Well, that's what slaves got. You know, so we are basically just modern operating, I should say, operating within modern day slavery. White folks aren't stupid, they might be wicked. Some of them, most of them, I'd say the majority of them, mm-hmm. but not all of them. But it's not to denigrate a, a race of people. It's to talk about elevating a race of people, which mm-hmm. is us. Right. You know, and you got to call it what it is. And, you know, I love my parents, mother and father. But I got to a point in my life when I had to move. Mm-hmm. I knew not only was it to my benefit, but mm-hmm. to their benefit. Right that I go and proceed along my life course. You know what I mean? Didn't diminish my concern and for them one bit, but I had to go and do what I had to do. Right. And, and so we're in that stage now. And, and and I must say essential to any progress that we make, we got to first concentrate on our communication because we are constantly under surveillance. This conversation you and I are having right now, somebody outside of this is listening to sure. it, or at least recording it. Sure. I, mean, I, just, that, that's no, the way I have folks. no doubt about that. I have yeah, no doubt well, about that. That, I mean. that is how they get so much mm-hmm. headwind on our plans is we speak English, mm-hmm. and they speak English. So if we say, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll get 50,000 people to meet at the bus station and they already know that's what the plan is. Yeah. So they make sure they have 200,000 mm-hmm. <laughs> waiting for us. And mm-hmm. and so I, I'm saying that we have to, we really do need to get some brilliant brothers and sisters to develop a method of communication that does not include their vernacular. Even if it's using the English language, make the words mean something else. Mm-hmm. See, these are the kinds of things that we don't pursue, I, I should say, normally. Right. There are a few of us that are really, really smart people. And white folks got them working for them because they know that they're smart. Well, you know, Bibi Atumi, I've been promoting, they had classes of various languages, African languages, particularly one uh, was uh, Swahili. Swahili is spoke throughout the continent you know, in various areas, more serious, you know, Kiswahili. And, and to me, that was something that easily could be learned, something that those of us who are serious would develop within our vocabulary to be, you know, so we, because we need cultural privacy. Just as you say, we speak this language like we are right now. And, and, and over these airways, they know what time it is. This is not a, a forum to do things strategically, or covertly. Exactly. You know? Exactly. You know, but this no, is a, that's exactly the point. Yeah. And so that's why I'm saying it is so imperative that we develop a form of communication. Like I said, it doesn't have to just 
you know, uh, how, God, I can't, I don't know how long it took me to learn to speak English, but I know it wasn't a year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I might have nodded my head or yeah. smiled when, you know, but, you know, maybe there was a physical or emotional response. But as mm-hmm. far as being able to speak a thought in my mind, I, I don't, right. I just don't know how long it took. But I do know that it was something that I learned to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm still practicing learning to right. speak English and exactly. learning to speak my thoughts. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 60 years old, man. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm only saying that I have to – this is not going to be an instantaneous thing, but it has to be a program mm-hmm. that is reinforced and advocated among our people. You know, mm-hmm. we, we may not ever see the day when we're free, but that doesn't mean that my, my ancestors won't see. Right. The day that they are free. And that's what I would if any remembrance of me at all. By them is that, oh, at least great, great granddaddy was a part of that. Yeah. You know, right. You know what I'm saying? Same here, and brother. That, that's thanks enough. Yeah, sir. same here that they recognize that you, you know, you moved in that direction. You didn't go yeah, along to yeah. get along. You weren't scratching when nothing didn't itch. You didn't laugh when shit wasn't funny. You know, that's right. You didn't turn the other right. cheek. Folks, you moved into a direction. First, yeah, when they first came here, you know, they didn't have much, but they developed methods to acquire it. Mm-hmm. And look at what we look at what we're dealing with now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's not an instantaneous thing. It's not one book that's going to help us. It's not one dance that's going to help us. But it is a program. It is right. a lifestyle right. that we have to we have to dismiss their lifestyle exactly. and generate one that supports our progress, our interests. Uh, number two is we have to uh, appreciate a noble death. And that's going to strike people strange. Well, maybe. But, you know, nobody that ever has provided and promoted a culture did not die at some point, even at the end of their, I mean, obviously at the end of their life, but I'm saying we, we got to stop looking at death as though it's a terrible thing. We're all going to die. No, no, no doubt We're about all it. But, die. but the thing is, what, do, and so what, what did you do? To die, brother? What better yes. way to die than to be promoting, putting a step that my ancestors can stand on and, and lift this thing mm-hmm. higher, you yeah. know? I just cannot think of a more noble way to leave here than to just leave a path. Mm-hmm. You knock a tree down, you know, <laughs> dig a hole, you know, something that they'll need in the future. Yeah. Uh, another you. thing, and I think this is important too, and it's a form of trade. We've got to develop a way, even if it's barter to begin with, mm-hmm. because that's one thing that makes people get up in the morning when they don't feel good and go out to work so they can get some money. Right. So but it ain't, you know, we're the only creatures on this planet that use money. Well, see, the thing saying? is, I mean, see, the thing is this, is that because we live in America, and I always say this, America is about four things, individualism, materialism, greed, and violence. And in that kind of society, right. and it's dominated by Europeans, that's what's happening. And so we have uh, definitely gone hog wild over the materialism aspect of it, you know, exactly. here we are as a people yeah. uh, financially, even though if pulling all our monies together would, would mean a tremendous uh, and yield us a tremendous amount of, of influence, not necessarily freedom or in, independence, but influence. But the bottom line, because we don't do that, 
we so fragmented, but yet we want the car. We want the clothes. It's always been about flash and, 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 and glitz and glamour as opposed to substance, you know. And and and, yeah. and the fact is that we never thought about, yes, we have. We thought about it. We even acted on it, about pulling our monies together and doing for ourselves. Nowhere. And, and I, hold on. Let me, let, me, let me finish this one, uh, Rick. Yeah, because... Yeah. Because what has happened to us when we did those things coming out of our captivity and we had to do those things because we were so alienated and struck from the general society. No, they didn't want our dollars. They didn't want nothing to do with us. So what happened? We pulled our money together. We created a town like Rosewood. We created Tulsa, Oklahoma, Elaine, Arkansas, Allentown, so forth. And what happened to those? The cracker destroyed them. He went in there under the pretense of whatever he didn't even need sometimes, need an excuse. But usually us, some brother accosting some white woman or something like that and go into that community and destroy it. Kill us, take our stuff and destroy it. And so now today, there is no place in rescue me if I'm wrong, there is no place in this country, in this country, where we control uh, the city, we we are um, the merchants, all of it is us. We we That's sell right. the we we have the convenience store, we have the supermarket, we have the hospital, we have the schools, we have uh, nowhere, nowhere. Even what uh, Reverend Doctor Leon Sullivan tried to create in Philadelphia, that that mall, based upon what I was told, is not all us. But there's nowhere because why? They they always want to keep us in a subservient position. A position, on exactly. You are, uh, uh, you know, you are, you buy. You don't, you don't <laughs> own. You buy your money. You buy. You know. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So you, let me, you, you, yeah, we 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 on the same page. I mean, oh, yeah. But I, I, I really, I, I just want to emphasize, if if I can, in whatever moments I have left, this this uh, a notion that we got to develop a communication system that. They don't understand, mm-hmm. really. I mean, that if, if, if there's any one thing that's ever going to get us pointed in the right direction, it is when the people at the NSA and the FBI that are listening in on our conversation and your station all the time and any place that black folks uh, um, uh, gather mm-hmm. and express ideas and thoughts and plans, that's why they're always able to dismiss them. Yeah. Because they know what we're going to do before we do it. And any time you're at war, if your enemy realizes your plans, you have lost before your first battle. Yeah. Because they know what you're going to do. do. When yeah. you send your, 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 your messages to your comrades, they intercept them. Well, this whole nation is set up that way mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. intercept. If that's what I mean. We're using their technology. I'm using you and I are using all of their technology to talk to each other about getting ourselves out of this situation. Not not going to war with them, no. which is not to say that that couldn't happen. Right. But they because already know what our plans are. Right. Exactly. I agree. When we use their devices in order to, to mm-hmm. communicate our plans with each other. So that's why I say that is that is really the, you know, the, but you know the what? number it, one thing. Go ahead, sir. Go, go, go ahead and finish it. I'm, I'm going to make this point, and I got some other callers I'm going to go to. Go ahead, you sure? I was Well, mm-hmm. if, if anything comes out of this conversation at, at all, it's some 11 or 12-year-old or 20-year-old or 25-year-old will say, man, I've got an idea on how we can talk, mm-hmm. and people don't know what we're saying. That would be a step 
that will be memorialized yeah. in our future if we're going to have one. Yeah. The ability to talk to each other and not let the enemy know what our plans are. I so agree. you were going to say something, I'm, no, I'm sure. Well, well, I was going to say that, you know, we had developed pig Latin at one time, you know, other forms. Of, but that's what we definitely would need. I, I, I say that in, in ASCAC, there's a chapter, can we truly liberate ourselves in somebody else's language? That's right. There was a chapter on that. Can we liberate ourselves, truly liberate ourselves in somebody else's language? And right. to me, well, the answer about is, it. yeah. When, no. when, when white folks was at war with the Indians, they got Indians to come and decipher right. things. Exactly. When we were at war with when Japan. white folks was at war with Japan, mm-hmm. Japan, they got people that could speak Japanese so that they would know the Germans, which they come mm-hmm. from. But they still had people who knew what they were saying right. before it got into action. So mm-hmm. I'm saying, if I'm gonna, if you're gonna punch me in the face mm-hmm. and you tell me, "Hey, come here, brother," and hit me then we're speaking a different kind of communication right? because I came. But if I know you're getting ready to punch me in the face, then I'm on the lookout. That's right. You know what you're I'm on saying? guard, brother. Yeah, on I guard. may not even win the fight. Yeah. I may not yeah. even win the fight, but I'm on the lookout. I at least That's have right. an opportunity to defend myself right and on. show whatever skills I have. So yeah. I'm saying if there's anything that comes from this conversation, at least my, you know, my, point of it, my point of view, I should say, that should be something that we should, constantly right look for All right. uh, a way to de- to communicate okay. with each other without telling the enemies what it is our plans are. All right, Brother Rick. I appreciate you, man. Just hang on. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, brother. <laughs> okay. Uh, Thank you. 602. 602. Good afternoon. Hey, Brother Worship. Good brother Marcus. How you been, Brother Marcus? You been doing okay? Yeah, man. I'm, Good. I'm doing all right. Good. Good. You know, what the, what the brother will say, and you know, I've been looking at um, some YouTube videos of towns, you know, little towns um, in in the south that black people used to used to be predominant, live in predominantly. And when you look at the condition of those towns, you see, there's all those towns have been devastated. Yes. And they said, where are the black people went? Most of them left and went north. Mm-hmm. You know, they got out of there mm-hmm. and went north. And I said, wow, and I look at it, I say, the more I look at it, the more I realize that we ain't got no future in this country. <laughs> no. We don't have no future <laughs> no. in this country. And you see how they, they all those cities, those towns. And you know, the thing is, they have a good infrastructure still in place. But ain't no people, ain't mm-hmm. nobody. Everybody done left. And I said, wow, you know, one particular town was Cairo, Illinois. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Cairo, Illinois. You know, they 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 said in 1967 they had 170 nights of constant gunfire. So black people was at war. Don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shoot every night. <laughs> well, you know, you know that's that that's near. You know, that's part of a a, a lot of clan uh, individuals yes. in that in that, in that particular because that's downstate Illinois. It, you know, yes. it's, it goes closer yes. to Arkansas. You know, yes. Missouri, and so right. forth. Yeah. Arkansas, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, black folks were firing their guns, and but the town died. The town eventually died, and I said, "Wow!" I said. That is America. Yeah. That is a microcosm of America. Anyway, we only got a minute, so. 
All right. Thank you, Brother Marcus. Appreciate you, man. I know you're always listening, but I'd love to hear your voice, man. Peace to you. All right, brother. All right. (sighs) Unknown. Is is this my brother Paul? How you doing, Bubba Ochi? Can you hear me loud and clear? I can can hear you loud and clear, my man. You you you, uh, what you've sent to us, uh, the information about the link and so forth, and what you've been on, especially for the last I'd say month or so, has been very clear. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Well, Baba Ochi, you know, I, 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 you know, give thanks for life, give thanks for this um, program, and give thanks for all the contributions. You know, um, some people say sometimes they use the um, terms, whether it be negative and positive, whether um, some deliberation is positive or whether some deliberation is negative. For me personally, I ain't asking nobody to accept this or believe it or whatever. But for me personally, how I operate, I don't, I don't think there's such thing as uh, whether you're extremely negative and positive. I think you need both of them to animate. Because sometimes when I listen to people, despite the fact that they feel that they're positive, it sounds very negative to me. I take it very negatively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, let me just explain it like this. You know, you need, you need both of those um, forces for animation, for anything to exist. Everything's about energy. The, every single thing we see is just about energy. And it's about movement of energy and vibration. That's it. So, therefore, um, what I'm saying to you is that, you know, it's a lot of the times when you hear people speak, they say, what we need to do, what we need to do. Failing to recognize what we are actually doing. And when you fail to realize that what we are actually doing then you get lost in what I call the magic roundabout because your deliberation tends to go round and round in circles. A hundred years' time, you're still on the same magic roundabout, asking <laughs> the same questions, not recognize what we are doing. Let me say this, yeah? Um, out, of, out of sight is out of mind. Now, I'm, 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 you're, you're the same age as my father, and I'm in my early 50s, yeah? Now, what I'm saying to you is that I, I, I work with IT a lot, and I can tell you <laughs> there are young people right now doing astonishing things. Ex- I'm telling you, astonishing. IT is not just a work for me. It's been my hobby. When I was young, I used to fix radios. I used to pull things apart. And my uncle was an engineer, and he was shocked by what I could do. I could do it naturally. I don't know how. I can't explain to you how I could do it, but I could. Right? But the bottom line I'm saying is when we think what we're not doing, there are, they are doing it. And um, they're doing it to the extent that it's amazing what I see being done. Yeah? But the problem is, others are not recognizing it. They mm-hmm. don't recognize it. And not only that, do they not recognize it. Sometimes, it's almost as if they're blinded. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. I keep telling people, there is a man in Jamaica, right, running his car on water. Right, right. a car on water. I've read about it. I've seen it on the video. Right. I've seen it on the video. Yeah. You're right. Still, they don't get it. Still, these people who say, "Oh, what we're doing, what we need to do," they don't get it. They don't get it because if we, if we, if we really was that intelligent, we would get that brother by any means necessary. We wouldn't be wasting our time doing all the nonsense we do, watching this one, watching that one, thinking what we're not doing, thinking what we should be doing. We would capture that brother because when we're ready to do things and behave in certain ways, we do it. You mm. understand? We do right. it. We do it. 
You, you, and so the bottom line, what I'm saying to you, sometimes there's a breakdown in communication. There's a generation, generational breakdown in communication. There's a breakdown in communication between the older and the younger. There's a serious breakdown in communication. It's sometimes they, people don't even know what's going on with their own children. You know, I hate right. to, to speak with this emotive, but sometimes you think to yourself, why are these people watching? Where, where are they? Who are they really? Because mm-hmm. they are these, not just the young people, and they're not, they're not doing it because they are doing it. They're doing things. The problem we have is a breakdown in communication. We're not capturing these young people. We're sending our own children to these universities to be captured. When we send our children to universities, what do you think is happening? in these universities. But we do it because we don't seem to be able to do any better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And why don't we want to do no better than that? Because we feel that the white man's ice is colder. Right, we've been trained to think that. Consciousness. Right, we've been trained to think right. that. Right, and that is the truth. Yeah. You know, because seriously, it's not that we are doing it, we are doing it. You know, we've got some fantastic right. um, people out here. But the problem is, we need the glue. Where's the glue? That's the problem, the glue. And, and when, you, when you see these, these people, I'm going to go back to Marcus Garvey, because this is something he said 100 years ago. And this, I'm sending this out here, because I see it. When you see these people, don't get jealous of them. Don't backstab them. Don't talk behind their back. Don't undermine them, because I've seen it time and time again. Why, I don't know. I don't know, it's some sort of psyche, some sort of mentality going on. Because they do exist. And the, well, 100 years ago, Marcus Garvey talks about the backstabbing, the bad-mindedness, sure. the undermining, sure. the looking down on. And still today we're doing it, because that's yeah. it. So yeah. it's not that we haven't got these people, because we have got them. But unfortunately, sometimes our own prejudices, our own um, uh, mm-hmm. the way we see ourselves, you know... Puts a barrier for us just piping down a little bit well, and, and, you know, humbling ourselves right. and bringing these people on board. Because, you know, we, we, what we fail to understand, what we fail to understand is what the imposition of European culture has on our lives and what it has done to us how it makes us feel about ourselves, how it makes us look at ourselves and each other with sometimes disgust and disdain. We need to purge ourselves of all that bull, all that pettiness, and begin to look at us realistically. What you said, we encourage, We should be encouraging those young people to do this. We should, for, for, for those who have developed something, we should promote them, help them, assist them. It's just like with um, um, Moses West. The brother who developed the uh, atmospheric water generator, the AWG, the atmospheric water generator. Imagine there is there, there is no need. We there's water. There's not a, a lack of water. There's a lack of resource, a lack of access to water. There's water all around. There's water all in the air. And what this brother did, create a machine that takes the moisture out of the air and goes through a process of filterization and so forth, you open up the tap and out comes clean, drinkable water. Water that has been tested. Water that is, you know, in its purest form. And then not only do we have drinkable water, but it can create water to develop aquaponics, to grow food, and so forth. I I heard that, brother, come on the radio. One thing what stuck me along the line of what I'm trying to explain to you, he said, and you heard him say he said he went to his 
um, his people, meaning the African-American people, and he had no interest. I heard him say that, okay? He said he didn't get no interest. So he's selling his machine to his employees, which are the army. He's selling his machine. Right, to no, the you're right. Army. Yeah, yes, okay? Brother Paul, because, you're right. Because he said, he, he said, I heard him, he said that he did not get no response or no support from his own community. That's what he said. Now, this is the point, and this is where I come in, because too often what he says, I see it all the time, right? We point our finger at this white man, we do. We always point. But the truth of the matter is, when the proverbial doo-doo hits the fan, we don't support our people the way we should. We make excuses for dipping our hands in our pocket, even giving a dollar or even giving a dime. We make excuses. That's the reality of this thing. I see it so many times. Right. No, so I agree. I have too. point our fingers. But I'm saying, I'm saying sometimes we just need to buck it up and realize that the person looking in the mirror is the person who needs to take responsibility. Yeah. Not who he thinks. And we all can do it. Yeah. You know, even if it's to give one dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, I tried a thing, yeah, on a, another radio station. I said a pound a week and it worked. People were doing it, yeah? People were doing it. But then all of all the, the the non-progressive energies came in. Oh, it should be right. this way, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I stepped step back because that's not what I'm about. Mm-hmm. I'm just about getting it done. I'm not interested in the he say, he say, or whatever. I just want it done. I just want to meet the objective. But at the end of the day, I know what happens. Oh, it should be like, like this. Oh, can I do it on this day? Oh, well, well. And then before you know it, we're right. arguing about all kind of nonsense and the objective is never met. Exactly. To me, if you don't have the right mind... I don't tell anybody about you. To me, to me, if I you don't have the right... There are young people out there. There are young people, because young people have the energy. They have that right. uh, uh, kind of rigor fight where you kind of tend to, as you get older, sit down a bit more. But they have it. But they just need people like yourself, especially Baba Ochi, especially like you. Because, And I tell you what, like you, because you... Right, you're not frightened to to, 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 to to say the position we're in. You're not frightened to bring others in. You're not you you haven't got that ego which pushes people aside or you think you're the Negro in a hat. No, I've, <laughs> I've learned that. So we need you set the template. You set the template. I don't know about anybody else, but I can tell you, you set the template. Well, so the reality of it is, right? We just need to look in the mirror and realize, you know, keep pointing finger at this devil. It's not going to be the solution. It is not. We need to put things at ourselves and realize that we're the solution. That's right. Because ain't nobody going to do this for us. But listen, brother. Yep, I'm going to catch another couple of calls before I go off. I know I'm already already passed. But, Brother Paul, love you, man. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Asante Sana. Thank you. Mama Nabantu. Yes. How you doing? You just called to listen? Oh, Yeah. Um, coming from Houston, going back to Atlanta, get ready to go to Tanzania on Thursday. Oh, that's right. Tomorrow you're going to Tanzania. That's Tomorrow, right. Yeah. Yes. I, I already talked to Brother Mamani. When he gets back, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to him. We have a date on the seven. But as soon as you get back, hook, uh, call up and okay, let us let us know how everything went. Okay. I certainly will. All right, I'm Mama. Doing outside of the tour. All right, Mama Nubantu. Safe All travels. Right safe care. safe travels, my sister. Bless you, dear. Right. Peace. All right, thank you. Peace. Sister Habia. Good afternoon. Hello? Are you there? Okay. I mean she, I think she's at work, so but brothers and sisters, we 
extended our time, but I thank all those who call in, those who listen, and um, man, I really appreciate that. But the bottom line is we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. And do that work wherever you are by you touching some other brother or sister. That you be the example. You be the example to him. You can even be the jagna, not mentor. Okay, we know that's not the word to use. But be the jagna, somebody who influences them, somebody who guides and molds them and helps them. And you be cons- and you be consistent in that area and in that effort. Don't be hypocritical. We need each other. Brothers and sisters, just like Brother uh, uh, Lust said, where are the couples? We need each other. African men and African women need to come together. Because the reason why we don't have the community life we have because we don't have the good, strong family life. We need each other. Brothers and sisters, we end this program like we end all of our programs with the words of Stephen Biko. The most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the minds of the oppressed. This program is dedicated and committed to helping to free the African mind. But not just the M-I-N-D, but the M-I-N-E, because under the feet of African people lies all of the resources that everybody wants, think they can't do without, and sure hell don't want to pay for. Brothers and sisters, you have a blessed and wonderful day. Shemhotep means go in peace. Asante Sana means thank you. Bibi Vahodier. Bibi Vahodier means our victorious destiny. Brothers and sisters, we will be victorious. You have a blessed day, and I hope to see you, hear from you on Friday. Peace.